Good morning. Uh, yeah, a few, a few there. As uh, it's great to be, great to be back. We had the privilege the last two Sundays of worshiping in in Carico with our friends over there, and they worship in a particular way. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that no one had a cockerel, a live cockerel to bring up during the offering. That happened on Sunday morning in the cathedral in Caricho. And the provost of the cathedral, that's the guy in charge, held this cockerel for a while in the offering and then they put it in front of the altar and left it sitting there ready. And that was for the provost lunch. So if anyone feels that I am looking a little, I know I've lost a bit of weight since I've been away. And if you're just wondering about my health, uh, all live foul to my wife, please. Uh, although I will be cooking today, of course. Um, so happy, no, the mid-Lenting one, if we can. That was great. Yeah, happy mid-Lenting day. Yeah, yeah, just turn to each other. That is the day, isn't it? You will have woken up this morning and said, I banish this mothering Sunday hype in the name of Jesus. And I say, happy mid-Lenting day to you. That's what you said this morning. That went down really well, didn't it, in the Blythe household? But it is. I mean, come on. You know, roses are red, violets are blue. Good old mum, we love you. It's not very good, is it? You know, mothering Sunday. So Victorian times, you probably know, was when the focus came onto mothers and onto mothering on this day. And before that, it was mid-Lenting day, middle of Lent. And uh, the focus was on going back to your home church, your mother church, and giving, giving a gift uh, in the middle of the period of Lent up to Easter. Victorian times then the focus on our mothers comes into play, and I love it, and I'm delighted. It's my favourite day of the year, genuinely. For a long time, it was Nikki and I's worst day. I've shared this a couple of times. Rachel and Naomi quite happy me to share. Both of our daughters are born through IVF treatment, and we had a whole number of years where we didn't come to church on mid-Lenting Sunday, Mothering Sunday, because it was the hardest of Sundays for us. There may be one or two here who share in that, and God bless your socks off for being here. Church can be the absolute worst place to be, can't it, sometimes? You know, it really can. I mean, that tells us why it matters. It tells us why God is real, and it tells us why this stuff touches the very core of our being. But for years, Nikki and I wouldn't come on a mothering Sunday or, or would come reluctantly. And it's, it's, it's just this thing, isn't it? And actually, mid-Lenting Sunday and, and all this sort of stuff we're thinking about today, it's a convergence of two things, isn't it? It's a convergence of what we're thinking about in Lent and we're thinking about walking the way of the cross and we're thinking about sacrifice and we're thinking about pain and we're thinking about the realities of this world but we've also got this focus on rejoicing. We're looking forward to Easter. Easter Sunday is coming. And so it might feel a bit of a clash but actually it's the reality of life that life is blessing and battle side by side. I do chat to some Christians sometimes who sort of think, you know, if they're going through a time of battle, then they're just only looking for the time of blessing. And if they're in the time of blessing, they just worry that they're going to be into a time of battle. And they think about life in a roller coaster way. And it isn't like that. Life is blessings and battles side by side. So it is really good on this day, this day of tears, tears of happiness. Tears of joy, tears of fun, but also tears of sadness, tears of loss, tears of remembering a mother who's gone, tears of remembering a mother who never was around, tears of thinking I might not be a mother or a father. 
This is this day of convergence. And I wonder what the Lord wants to do on this day. Gareth has already pointed out the passage that we're going to be focusing on. It's Luke 15, 11 to 32, the story of the prodigal son. It's, it's a really well-known story. I don't have a lot deliberately to say about it in a way because I just know God wants to do some stuff and I'm going to use our Kenya experience, I hope, to help us. Nikki's just going to read it for us. Nikki, come. So it's Luke 15, 11 to 32. Beyond the screens. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answers his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thanks, Nikki. So Jesus... Parables are often full of outrageous behaviour, aren't they? It's a deliberate tactic that Jesus uses. It seizes our attention and also it makes us realise that the ways of God are very different to our ways. So 
the younger son's outrageous request. Dad, I wish you were dead. Please give me a third, which is what he would have been due. The older son would have been due two-thirds of the inheritance, the younger one a third of the inheritance. Dad, I wish you were dead. Please give me a third of everything you own. Everything that you've invested into this family, everything that you've inherited into this family, everything that is our stability. I've just come from a country where uh, they were desperate for rain. There were rain shortages in Caricho, a very significant provincial town having water shortages. Uh, Food security is a massive issue. And in a similar-ish kind of culture, Dad, I want a third of the seed that you were going to plant for next year that was going to feed you through the year. I'd like a third of it, please. The father's absolutely foolish agreement. He gives it up. He says, yeah, fine. You can, in effect, wish me dead. You can take a third of what was going to feed me and the extended household, our animals. And and yeah, we'll look into next year not knowing how we're going to get to the end of next year. Take it, son. And by the way, I'm not bothered about the shame that it brings onto, onto our entire household. It's a shame culture. I've just come back again from Kenya, which is a shame culture. Why does anyone in Kenya never tell you no when you ask them a straight question? Because they don't want to experience the shame of that. When you're on a trip in Kenya, you're usually guaranteed that the timings that you're told for the day are the one set of timings that there will not be. <laughs> and there's nothing duplicitous about it. Father says, yeah, I'll take the shame. Probably the bigger element of this. I'll take the shame. I know there's, I know there's parents and grandparents and others sitting here today who have a sense of a bit of shame. It's not your fault. You've done nothing wrong. But what's happened in your family? Father says, Yes. And then when it turns around, when the story turns around, the father's naive, reckless acceptance and trust. Doesn't actually, the son doesn't actually express any words of repentance before the father is already putting a ring on his finger, a robe around his, his, his shoulders. There's an embrace, there's a kiss. How does he actually know that the younger son really is repentant? Wouldn't we expect the briefest word of confession? Wouldn't we, uh, wouldn't we wonder if this was dangerously cheap grace? Where's the, where's the taking responsibility by the younger son? And of course, those are the two interpretive questions. Those are the two questions that humanly we find ourselves asking, aren't they? And they're going to go up on the screen. The first is, does the younger son actually truly repent? You know, you could look at the verses, couldn't you? Verse 17, it says he came to himself. Verse 18, he rehearses what to say. Verse 19, he, uh, he expects the lowest possible charity from his father. Go back in as a hired hand. He, he delivers his apology as actually his father is embracing him, you could argue. Or could you say he comes to his senses and works out a cunning plan? 
Could you say he rehearses the words, most likely to pull on the heartstrings of his father? He doesn't offer a full word of repentance, does he? And I wonder if the older son is actually correct, maybe you, you, you think. I mean, he really does unfairly get left out, doesn't he? He really does deserve better, doesn't he? His upset is justified, isn't it? Jesus tells an outrageous story that has been sanitized through the ages for us. He tells an outrageous story to capture our attention and for us to realize that the ways of God are not our ways. And I just wonder, I found myself wondering this week as I prepared, I just found myself wondering if that was actually the question for today. You know, I've read this story many times. I've used this story many times. But do I feel the intensity? Do I actually feel the outrageous behavior here? I know that I absolutely identify with the older son. I absolutely do, instinctively, in my, in my gut. I identify with the older son for myself personally. I've not been that bad. I mean, you know. I mean, I can think of a load of people much worse than me. And that's just the first two rows. <laughs> and boy, do I think that when I look at other people. Jesus told this story, outrageous story, for a purpose. Three themes, maybe. Slide going up, three themes. And I'm going to ask the Kenya team to help me just with one or two of these in a moment. Love spoilt. Love spoilt. I, I tried to think of a word. Spoilt might not be the best word, but I, I tried to think of something expressing the truth that, that love is distorted, love is spoilt through, through sin. Again, on a, on a Mothering Sunday, as we think of some of the difficult aspects of mothering, and we think of the different difficult aspects of relationship with each other, let alone with, of course, God, we think about love being spoilt. The father is the picture of perfect love. This story, many of you know, the beginning of chapter 15 is told to the, the Pharisees, the religious, who were imposing a legalism on God and God's relationship with human beings. And Jesus tells the story for a purpose, to tell us about the father, to point us to the father, reveal who he is and reveals his love, that he cares for sinners. He cares for us. There's a younger son who chooses to reject and to forget his father's love. There's an older son who perhaps along the way has been surrounded by love, but he's forgotten. 
this love. There's a younger son who becomes comprehensively lost. Do you notice the three elements to his lostness? He's lost in his personal choices by the way he's living. The Greek means reckless, driven in the spending of his money. He's lost by circumstances, the famine that falls upon them. He's lost because no one gave him anything, it says. He is comprehensively lost. Love completely spoilt. And the older son, equally lost, emotionally, jealousy, anger, lack of forgiveness. He doesn't even call his father, father, when he engages with him. He doesn't even call his brother, brother. He says, this son of yours, not my brother. He's been surrounded by God's love, by the father's love, and yet he is lost. Love rejected, love lost, love unable to be expressed. What a day to celebrate that all the qualities that we wish for in our own parents, in our own parenting, as we celebrate quite rightly, all those who exercise a mothering, note it is mothering Sunday. Many men exercise a mothering care. Many grandparents, many uncles, many cousins, many spiritual mums and dads exercise a mothering Sunday care. And all that is good, we see in God, our perfect parent, whose love is more outrageous than any story you can tell of your own mother's love or someone else's care for you. However mad they were to give you another chance, however much they kept on coming back for more, our God's love is greater. But then it's love restored, isn't it? Both of the sons have misunderstood the nature of God's love, the father's love. The younger son thinks he can bargain. The older son thinks it's based on merit and duty. And yet it's all about grace. It's all about the father who will pay any price to welcome them back in. And this is our God, the God of the cross. That's why we're bringing these two themes together today, celebrating mothering and looking forward in mid-Lent to Easter. God who who stretched his arms out on the cross for you and me. Absolutely outrageously. Completely undeserved. And this is the grace that he asks us to live out. This is the calling to you and to me. Once we begin to taste and understand quite outrageously how our God has welcomed us back in then we invite his Holy Spirit to transform and to change us. If the Kenya team could just come up a moment, please. With the mic, please. Do come on up. Thank you. Coming back from a a land where... uh, You can give them a little round of applause for their... um, appropriate dress 
So, Nikki, sanitary pads in Kenya, an easy sell. There should be um, a picture somewhere of Nikki showing some stuff while Nikki explains a story of grace. I think quite a lot of you have heard, so we had many women um, in this church and friends of women of this church making reusable, washable sanitary pads to take out to Kenya because many of the girls do not have access to anything, um, actually anything. They cut up bits of mattress and all kinds of things for, the, for that time of the month. And they regularly miss school because they can't do it. So they drop out of school, they don't do well. And they basically get married off about age 12 to 13, which also usually involves FGM as well. And that's it. Um, that's what happens. So by taking these out there, we were basically offering enormous hope and a change of life for, for these girls. And um, we just basically saw God's hand in it in such a tangible way. He brought so many women together, not just the women who made here, the women who came, went to Kenya, but the women that we were with there. And we knew that there were one or two key women there who weren't necessarily totally on board with it yet. But we saw God just completely bring them on board, just almost just like that. As soon as they saw the products, as soon as they realized what it was all about, they were excited and they want to get involved with actually making their own. So they saw the bigger vision of it straight away as well. We have pictures along the way, people having the same pictures. We have a story of a red necklace that I won't go into just now that was also an affirmation. And we had the scripture, Proverbs 31, 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. And if you saw the girls' faces, they definitely did laugh, especially when they saw the pants. And um, actually, just to say that we had, because um, we didn't realise there would just be girls, that we thought it would be for women as well, we had some rather large pants with us that um, were hilarious for those. So we took them off, off them and they, we gave money for them to buy the lady those in charge to buy more. And we were able to take those pants to the women's prison, which, which brought on tears and amazing. And they're now, the Mother's Union are going to regularly take pants into the women's um, prison. And just to say, because I don't think some other people give the details maybe, but basically at one point one lady said to someone else that today you have saved a girl's life. And I don't think I need to say any more than that, except thank you to everyone who was involved. And Harry, um, a borehole. <laughs> yes, so... Uh, Grace a... <laughs> in action. There should be a picture somewhere there. Thank you. You're doing a really good job. Well yeah, done. There's, um, this is uh, in a village called Untrometi in a very uh, semi-arid place in the rock, which has no water. Uh, there's a maternity unit there, which you can just see the red roof in the background, uh, which uh, is a great maternity unit, except it has no water. And um, they, they collect rainwater in the, in the tank, and then when that runs out, because very often there's five, six months without any rain, um, they have to try and run a maternity unit without, uh, without any water. So. Um, so where we were standing there with that stake is where, um, when Dave Rowe was out there in January, they did the hydrological survey and they've identified the best place, which is actually uh, on the compound that the church owns uh, to, uh, to sink a borehole. So that's something that we are committed to doing with them out there, perhaps um, doing ma matched funding uh, to raise, so it's only about 17 or 18,000 pounds to and, and we prayed over that stake that just because you've got a hydrological survey which says that there should be water there doesn't absolutely mean when you sink the borehole you will find water. So we prayed that um, 
that at the right depth we will find the borehole, some sweet water with the right flow rate, and that will be able to bless not just the maternity hospital there, but also the whole community. So uh, something we're leaning into and praying and wanting to see if uh, later this year we can't fund to do that. Thank you. And Sandy, it's the first three slides. Um, a compassion school, a new compassion school. First three slides, please. The great thing about this project is that we can all get involved. And can I say, firstly, thank you so much for everybody that's prayed for us because we knew that you were praying and there were lots of different situations that we came oh, across that we really felt that your prayers. So thank you. Three, four, the, the new Compassion um, Children's Project um, is a new one just outside of Narok. Um, and that's another way that we can all get involved is just by sponsoring one child. You, you think just sponsoring one child isn't that much, but actually they get health care and they get educated and then it actually helps the whole family and the whole villages so it has a huge knock-on effect and uh, we've just been really privileged to be able to work with compassion um, with our projects as well so that's been amazing thank you and uh, somewhere there should be some people sitting on the ground uh, sorry standing talking to someone it might be so forgive me about this might be slide 10 Farm school, who would last like to say about the visit to the farm school? Yeah, Jenny, there you are. There's a farm school, one of the projects we're supporting. Thank you. One of the things we did when we were out there is we visited three farm schools, which are projects that are run um, by the diocese, where they take 30 local farmers and they teach them how to improve their farming techniques by using fertilizers and better seeds um, and doing crop rotation and planting in the right way and we saw an amazing um, their 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 production rate had gone up by um, nearly double in some places and they were able to actually uh, grow enough crops to keep themselves and their family fed all year to have spare and to sell that to raise income into the village and it was a real privilege to see just the effect that this, these farm schools are having on the local community and um, right in the middle of nowhere, quite a few of them. Superb. And uh, football team, they're sitting around listening to Ariane speak. There you go. Football. Holy yeah. Trinity football. I'm not a very sportive guy, but um, I really enjoyed being a goalie with uh, these wonderful Kenyan football guys and afterwards uh, we had a lot of fun and afterwards um, we spoke about the gospel and the good news of Jesus and uh, Oli did his testimony. This is Izzy scoring a very awesome goal. Um, yeah and afterwards we, um, I prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit and uh, to open their hearts for, for, for Jesus and to, um, to accept him in their hearts and in their lives. So it was a very precious moment to uh, just have fun as guys, as a group of guys, but also to go a bit more deeper at the end. And uh, yeah, it was an awesome experience. And uh, Julia, Mother's Union Conference, towards the end of the slides, you've got 13, 14, somewhere around that, maybe a bit later, you've got some mother, that's it. And you've got some people slapping each other's hands. Julia, what did we do, just briefly? Uh, the Mother's Union is very big in uh, Kenya, very important, very significant. We had a, a wonderful conference with the Mother's Union uh, that we also... Ex um, we explained to them as well about the sanitary towels product. They got very on board with it, which was super exciting. Um, and uh, Nikki, Nikki talked and Sandy talked. And I have a complete blank now what they talked about. I'm so sorry. Um, 
uh, personally, it was just it was really wonderful to be praying with them as they wept afterwards and sharing the Lord Jesus Christ together, uh, sharing worship as they sung in their Kenyan. Um, beautiful Kenyan way, um, and uh, the Holy Spirit came down, so it was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And Helen, don't worry, I've got one for you coming in a moment. So look, friends, it's deliberate because I've just been to a land where the story of the prodigal son, you really sense it. You really sense what it means to say that however we might think about our own individual little story, it is part of a massive narrative of a father who does things that we might be a little bit immune from understanding the significance, but in this land that we visited, a father who does the most outrageous things, the absolute most reckless, outrageous things, because Jesus wants to point us to the love of our father. And a story which says, don't be like the younger son in the sense of trying to bargain. Don't be like the older son in the sense of trying to judge God's grace. You can only receive God's grace. And for me, what I wanted to do was illustrate just some of the ways that I think grace has feet, grace has hands. In a moment, I'm going to invite us to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to be inviting us to think about what, so what should we do as an expression of God's grace? These are some of the things that we're doing as a church family. These things have real teeth to make changes to people's lives. We need more compassion children to be sponsored. That school's going to due to open Palm Sunday, I think. Palm Sunday, and it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. There is nothing there. And so we would love some people. We've got 19 profiles for compassion children that we could share with you today. This borehole in a place called Mazero, where there were zero boreholes, as Harry said, that will change lives. And we've committed to say that we'd like to help fund that because we believe that you as a church family would want us to make that kind of commitment, standing in a field where people don't have water. It's not an enormous amount of money. It's about £20,000 in total. And we've got, we've, the local diocese is going to put an investment into it. We have someone else who's going to support us. We actually only need about a third of the money, about £7,000. So I wanted to show you some teeth of things that we are doing. Because the third theme in the parable, first one, as I say, I think you might say, is around love spoiled. The second is about love restored. The third is about love celebrated. If you know Luke 15, then you know that each of the three parables of the lost that Jesus tells, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, end with a party and end with celebration. This is mid-Lenten day. Easter Sunday is coming. It is a day for rejoicing as well as a day for tears. And Helen, I'm going to leave you the last word. Can you just say something about love rejoicing in a land where there's... Not so many things to take for granted, please. Um, yes. So the Kenyans really know how to rejoice. And while I was there, I shared on a few occasions um, something of my journey 
um, to receive joy again. And it was really humbling because um, they get that, <laughs> I guess. They really do get that. They live with, I think I was speaking about how you can have, I discovered in my journey that you can have joy and pain together, which is a little bit what Andrew was referring to earlier, um, that the two go alongside in life. It's not necessarily like this, it goes like this. So you have, your, you have joy and pain together. And for a, a while, I didn't understand that you could have joy. But you have to um, ask for joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You have to ask. You have to praise God. You have to keep looking to him and keep praising when things are difficult. Um, and they know how to do that in Kenya because life is like that all the time. They have no rain. They have, at times, they have not enough water, not enough food, all of these challenges all the time. But they do praise really joyfully. And it's very humbling to um, meet all these people who are full of the joy of the Lord. And um, they know this inexpressible joy that we're all yearning for. They really do. Thank you, Helen. It's a very great privilege to see buildings that were built with the brick-making machine that Helen's husband John and Gareth and a number of others helped raise money for. We, we sat in buildings built with the brick-making machine raised with money by John before his death. And to have Helen telling her testimony, her story of joy, in the middle of that was incredibly powerful, you'll imagine. Should we just say thank you to these guys? Please take a seat. Yeah. As Gareth has said, we'd love more people in our church family to share the experience of, uh, of our Kenya partnership and our other partnerships. We have a number of mission partnerships. Um, if you have any doubt, if you're making a difference through being part of, I, I pray you feel, this church family, please have no doubt whatsoever. We're going to show um, uh, some slides with a bit of music playing because... I just hope this works, I pray. Well, I think the Holy Spirit's told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. Um, you get such a perspective on your own life when you go into a different culture, and we've just tried to reflect that very deliberately. So I'm going to show you some slides, a set of slides from the Kenya trip, and we'll play some music. And I just believe that the Lord wants to change some, some things. Our individual narrative is part, our individual stories, which we get so bound up in, are part of this amazing big story of perfect love that, yes, has been spoilt, but has and is being restored by the grace of God that you cannot earn, but, boy, can you receive. You can receive it as a gift. These slides will go on for two or three minutes and then I'll invite us to, to pray. I just wonder, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. What do you want to say to us on this very special Mothering Sunday?
woman present whose childhood dreams to the admission service because her grandfather was. And the father said it's not a dream, but it's a calling to be fulfilled. If you're able to, would you like to stand? And thank you for the gift that's been offered. A word of knowledge for someone. Your grandfather was in mission. As a young girl, you thought you were called to mission. You thought that dream has died, but God wants to say to you this morning, that dream has not died. That's a word of knowledge for you from God. The dream has not died. I was going to ask Holy Spirit, come, please. Come to us. Come to us in all the realities, all the stories that we have. Would you come, Holy Spirit? We declare the victory of the cross. We declare the victory of Jesus Christ. We declare that love wins. Love wins over us. And Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you come and fill us? Give us such a sense, Father, of your reckless, outrageous, beautiful, gorgeous, perfect love for every single one of us. 
Would you fill our mothering? Would you fill our fathering, our brothering, our sistering, our being? Would you fill us, Holy Spirit? Clothe us with love and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Fill us with joy and peace. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. And where you have calling on lives in this building, where you are wanting to say, it's not a no, it's a yes. Let your yes be heard in our hearts now. Holy Spirit, come. And if you know God's doing something special, why don't you just come forward now for prayer? If you're new to us, we just gather at the front for prayer. If you've been here a while, you know how it works. Why don't you just come to the front and we'll pray with you for whatever reason. For personal reasons, family reasons, calling reasons, love of God reasons. Just wanting to walk in grace. Why don't you just come to the front and friends will pray with you this morning. That's right. Thank you, God. And if that word was for you, you had a sense of calling to mission in the past, it's still there, God says. He's saying yes. You might have thought it was a no, but he's saying yes. I wonder if there's any other mission callings I wonder if there's any of my older brothers and sisters who've thought that God might have stopped having a lot for you to do. I think the Lord wants to say he hasn't stopped. So come on, be available, be available, bless you. Be available. Younger ones as well, you want God's call on your life, you want to live for something that's worth living for, you want to transform lives as much as a water borehole would transform lives in a community. Come forward for prayer. Would people come and pray? Thank you. I'm going to pray for God's blessing. It is going to be time to go and get our children um, and do come and speak to any of the team. I ask the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit to fall down and rest on everyone here today. Thank you for our amazing mothers and mothering carers. Fill them, Holy Spirit, with all they need as they care for each one. And fill your church, fill this family with God's perfect mothering care. Clothe us with all good things. In Jesus' name, amen.